I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my thoughts on money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, where we like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast and your author of the Thoughts on Money blog. And just like every single week, I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Mr. Sean Latimer. Good morning. So should I lay down on the couch? Oh, yeah. This is, we're going to get deep today. This is going to be a vent session. It, I had a feeling as soon as I read it, I knew. Um, Trevor mentions in his article that he and uh, medical billing and health insurance have history, but I think he, uh, I think he was a little light in the article. But I think on the podcast, he's going to open up. I'm going to open up. We only got to 900 words on the article, so keep it short and easy. You can read it on your uh, bus ride in or however you find your way getting to work. Um, but yeah, health insurance and I are not friends. Uh, Sean sits in the office next to me. Uh, he's a good friend, and um, he hears me vent a lot. Sometimes at work, sorry, Mr. David Bonson, he hears me on the phone with uh, healthcare providers. So here's the background. Um, as a single guy, and it's probably true for you, I didn't even think about medical coverage. Is that same for you? No, it was the last thing on my mind. It was inexpensive. It came out of my check in case I got really sick or in a car accident or something. But I didn't even think about it. I think I kind of wish, like, could I not do this? Could I just keep the, at that point, like, I never went to the doctor. Luckily, someone wiser was like, no, if you break your leg and you, you know, you've raced BMX and had injuries. So that made sense because you could go to the hospital for something kind of silly, broken arm, broken leg, and it's like $20,000. So it's probably for the best we still had it. Yeah. So back then I was like, uh, I don't even know what this is. So then you get married and then your wife's like, hey, I'm going to come under your coverage. Like, what doubles. do you have? Yeah. And you're like, oh, now I'm noticing it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, and, you know, for my situation, she tended to care more. Like, I have this doctor. Are they in network? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how any of that works. Um, and then for me, it even amplifies further when you have kids uh, because uh, kiddos seem to be sick every other week. So then all of a sudden, you are forced into this place. Like I talked about in the article, you have to first learn the language of healthcare. Yeah, and it's interesting because it brings up things that, like, uh, I I don't wear glasses, and so I've never had to think about vision coverage. My wife does. She wears contacts. And so, <laughs> you know, as we got married and we started having kids, she would be like, oh, is this in network? Are these contacts covered? Or how often do I get glasses? And I was like, I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. She goes, well, yeah, if they're not, it's $600. I'm like, oh, okay. Maybe I should maybe I should learn this stuff. That's so, Sean's language right there. Yeah, now, like... now I'm listening. Yeah, and so she's even asked me the same thing, like, about the kids' vision, and I'm like, kids' vision? Like, what? When do kids start wearing glasses? I, I have no, I don't know any of this stuff. Like you were asking me even the other day. I don't even know if I gave you the right answer, but you're like, hey, how does kids' dental work? And I'm like, oh, it's kind of weird. It falls under your medical coverage, not your dental coverage, and it's like just this windy road of like, how do you navigate this thing? Uh, and it made me think, like, in high school, why was I studying like ancient English literature? Why wasn't I taking a class on like, teach me what a deductible is, coinsurance, premiums, all these different things? I thought it was funny when you said you passed Spanish class easier than learning the insurance. And it's true because I think of something like that. And it's like, that is true. I wish I wish they taught more about taxes and budgeting and all these things. Yeah. Now I definitely feel equipped. Uh, I've been through the ringers. So, you know, young people at church and things like that. I'm like, hey, I can help you. I know how this all works. But uh, this is still even a, a current frustration for me. Uh, I've shared it on the podcast before. Uh, we lost our first son when he was born late in pregnancy, which means that all my wives, all oh, my wives, <laughs> wow, <laughs> all of the pregnancies for my wife, there you go. my yeah. wife, uh, were considered high risk pregnancies. So that came with a different dynamic. Like she, 
in certain term will go, I think, almost every single week. Mm -hmm. So it means that I get an onslaught of medical bills. Like my mailman is probably like, I can't fit anything more in your mailbox. Yeah, it's interesting because we... We've talked about this as we had kids. Trevor and I had kind of a different experience where um, he's he talks about it in the article, so please continue to read it. But he talks about having a high deductible plan and uh, and the premises so he can save, and he'll talk about it a little bit more later. But I've always had Kaiser for uh, roughly 10 years, and we had all three of our kids through Kaiser. And uh, we didn't go to the doctor too much, but when we did, it's really inexpensive. You pay a copay. Even uh, when... Uh, Sarah, my wife, she was considered high risk pregnancy, uh, where she needed to go for weekly blood, uh, blood work. And normally you'd pay out of pocket for all those. Uh, but it was all covered under the original copay. And so I, I kind of thought like, Oh, you know, people don't like Kaiser because you can't choose your doctor or choose a specialist as easy. But I just thought it was pretty inexpensive. I had no idea how expensive it was to pay out of pocket for all these things in a high deductible plan, which uh, is what I have now. And so now uh, I'm definitely weighing those pros and cons. Yeah. And it's a good example how Sean and I are both dealing with the same riddle and going to come with a a different solution. His solution is probably better than mine. Uh, I am not going to solve for my current frustrations, except for, as I said in the article, I'm going to let medical medical billing win the battle but I am going to win the war. Uh, and the way I'm going to do that, I talked about in the article, it's the health savings account. Uh, in 2003, I think it was, um, George Bush signed the Medicare Prescription Drug Improvement and Modernization Act, which introduced the health savings account. In the world of financial planning, you'll hear a lot of people call it the only triple tax-free account. Uh, what they mean by that is that when contributions are made into the account, if you qualify for it, then you get a deduction for the contribution that can be invested and grow tax-free. And then if in the future distributed for medical expenses, it distributes tax-free. So my plan has been to maximize my health savings account each year. And here's where I do something different than I would say most people. Most people are putting money into their health savings account and using those contributions throughout the year to cover that year's medical expenses. That makes sense what I mean by that, right? Yes. Perfect. Almost like a flexible spending account. That's exactly what I was thinking. They they use an HSA, very similar to an FSA. The difference is the FSA, you don't use it, you lose it. The HSA can can continue to compound and grow. And you can contribute, I think, more. Yeah, you're probably right. You're capped at the FSA, like five grand. Yeah, I don't know the the numbers off the top of my head. So my plan is, hey, I'm not going to win these little battles these little frustrations. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to continue to maximize my savings into the HSA. I'm going to let that thing get to a size where the dividends and interest, because I'm doing a Bonson Group dividend growth strategy. So the dividends and interest from that health savings account will cover all my medical expenses. So I'm calling it my lifetime medical pension strategy. Question. Yes. So what happens with the leftovers? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, it's going to be some form of inheritance. So the here's my guess, but I probably shouldn't guess on a podcast. Yeah. Uh, so the HSA has this thing where if you um, if you don't want to use it for medical expenses and you're already uh, on Medicare, you're actually you're, you're over the age of sixty five. You can actually use it for anything. It just becomes a taxable distribution. Just on the gains. 
Oh, no, no, no because no, no, there's no. pre-tax yeah, going it, in, right? Yeah, it, it's So treated, it's just like an IRA. Exactly. It, okay. That's exactly right. So I don't know. It's a good question. Since this is from 2003, I guess a lot of people haven't had to think about that a, a, a ton um, because it's fairly new. But my guess is, and you'll, we'll Google it after, is that the it's either going to your spouse as an HSA because it's still yeah. in the family. Uh, or if it goes to next generation, maybe it can stay in the HSA window or maybe it's been treated like an inherited IRA. Well, you know, if somebody has a question about that, they're welcome to email me and I'll give them the answer. Yeah, we'll look it up. You're after. not supposed to ask me questions. I'm sorry, I thought to. you knew it. You're the HSA expert. You said you were going to win the war. I, I was on your team. My own little battle. So, <laughs> um, But the reason I came to that conclusion is because I started to think like, hey, it's not a crazy idea to think that you might build a dividend growth portfolio that has 4% in dividends and interest. So I started doing the math and I was like, huh, if you grew that thing to, I don't know, uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars, then you could start to do the math on, okay, $8,000 a year of of dividends and interest uh, and compare that to your deductible. All of a sudden you can take these distributions and make sure that they cover all of your medical expenses for the year. So I never have to think about it again. And you probably just got our answer. We did. It's bad news, but it's worse than an IRA. Cause because it, it's, the day you, pa- the year you pass, it's just one big distribution to your beneficiary as and ordinary all, income. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, it accomplished your goal and you may have a lot of medical expenses that you have to pay for maybe early retirement. So the premiums are high and, Hey, why are you trying to take the one down myself? I'm sorry. I'm, not, I'm thinking it's through. Anytime we do this, I want to think, oh, should I be doing that? And that's kind of what happened. So back, I, I had Kaiser for 10 years. We're pretty happy. My my wife did want to change pediatricians, not because she was unhappy with the ones we Wait, had. you're blaming her? No, it's all her fault. But she, she, we have friends that they're like really close with theirs and they could like text to get a prescription, which is probably not allowed, but sorry if I'm getting anyone in trouble. But it, it, it sounded very convenient. So we changed to a high deductible plan. Because I thought, oh, this is great. I can contribute to an HSA and put together the pension that Trevor recommended. This is great. But then I noticed that my out-of-pocket expenses probably went up fivefold, tenfold. Like, it was a lot more. And I'm like, oh, that's a bummer. And then I'm saving in the HSA. And then it turned out my wife didn't really like the two pediatricians we uh, tried this year anyways. And so I thought, well, we might as well just go back to Kaiser. So I'm asking these questions because I did. I was doing the same thing. And it's fun to do this live on the podcast because I conclude the article. This is not about giving you some very specific strategy that you should go execute. It's about teaching you how to think. So what Sean's going through is what are my needs, my preferences, and my resources? And based on those three answers, which will be different than the Cummings family, um, then he's going to conclude, hey, this, this is the best strategy for us. And it goes back to something that you and I talked about last week. I like the words you use, but I don't remember exactly what it is. But, oh, you said you shouldn't try to get too cute. Meaning like this HSA strategy I'm introducing, you don't need to adopt it for your family because you thought it was interesting or cool or uh, insightful. You need to do what's best for your family. Uh, Sean's talking about, hey, maybe what's best for his family is this Kaiser coverage. But all of this is birthed out of a place. I can tell you a lot of stories of where I was overcharged, where there's there's times I've gotten bills from like a year later. And all of these frustrations come from not the cost. It is the the single largest cost category uh, for my family, maybe because, you know, my wife's had, you know, I think we've had four pregnancies uh, in five years. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) that maybe that maybe that's why. But uh, my frustration is with the system, right? Like, I have to go use the fax machine. 
Like, I have to call somebody and sit on hold for 45 minutes. Sean and I were joking before the podcast. We have thin walls. He can hear my office. And he heard a time where I got the insurance provider on the phone, and then I got the doctor's office on the phone. And wait, were, wait, wait, wait. He, no, he, he was really mad about a, a bill. And I don't remember the amount, but he's like, I'm not paying this. So he's like, I'm going to get them all on the phone, and they're going to figure it out. Yeah, so uh, I had the doctor's office on the phone and the insurance company, and they're arguing about coding, right? Is that yeah. like, like, oh, what code should this be or shouldn't it be? You have to send an appeal form and this and the other. We're on the phone for like 45 minutes. And then Sean laughs about it because I just called a timeout. And I said, hey, timeout. I'm going to give you my credit card right now because I don't want to be on this phone for another minute. This is, this is your guy's mistake. But I'm going to pay to get off this phone call right now. Yeah, he waved the white flag and he's like, I'll just pay for it. <laughs> and I've done that so much because uh, when you get into the tangled web that is health insurance and medical billing, right when you think you understand the system, they're like, no, 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 that only applies when it's XYZ. You're on ABC. And then you feel like you're in the Twilight Zone or something. You're talking about the room? I think uh, that story's pretty funny too. Yeah. Gosh, Sean is getting me in a really frustrated <laughs> place. But, you know, um, I have a six-month-old at home. And, you know, because of our experience, everything's a high-risk pregnancy. So we know the the order of operations. You know, we, we go to our local hospital. Uh, they take my wife into a room. They prepare her. She goes into this room. I sit outside. Then they do the surgery to deliver the baby. All, like, I've... I've done it. Like yeah. we've done it three times in the last four years. So I'm used to it. So I got a unique bill that was sizable this year. And I called them like, hey, I'm not understanding why this isn't covered. And they're like, oh, after you had the baby, you guys had a private room, which your insurance only covers a semi-private room. And I'm like, I have no idea what that even means. Like literally. Like, oh, Trevor, my- you see, you were the only ones in that room. There wasn't someone with you. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, I was like, literally, let me like recount this for you. Like my wife left surgery in a wheelchair and they took us into a certain room and they told us to stay there. There's no menu. (laughs) No. And I'm like, it's just so funny with these type of things where they're like, well, you would have needed pre-approval or this. And I'm like, y'all are crazy. Yeah. It, 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 uh, it seems like, it seems like it's all different too, because I've noticed that, uh, I will get some sort of. I don't say quote, that's the wrong idea, but we'll, we'll get a price for what a procedure would cost or something. And then I'll mention, oh, you know, we have high deductible plans for paying out of pocket. And then they're like, oh, okay, let me give you the, the it'll be this much instead. And I'm like, oh, man, okay. So I kind of feel like it's all a game that we're losing at. Yeah, I'm definitely losing. I remember, and don't get me wrong, I, I really don't call anymore because it's a trap. Like, if you want to destroy 45 minutes of your life, uh, you're going to do that. But I end up at some call center where who knows where. Mm-hmm. And I remember the other day, I was like, okay, I think I got this because, like, this is math and I'm decent at math. I was like, I called them. I was like, hey, I went online. I exported every single bill that I've had this year. And on your website, like, you're the healthcare provider. On your website, it's showing me the total of what I've paid, which is greater than. My maximum Max out, out of pocket. pocket. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, well, let me see, like computer. And I was like, hey, I'm just asking like the most direct question. I've spent X, but max out of pocket is Y. So I, why am I getting another bill? And like I went round and round. And like I remember this particular time, I looked down at our phone because at times conversations, I'm at like 47 minutes 
And then, like, the person on the other line is getting frustrated because I'm, like, going back to the same place. Like, I'll send you this Excel document. It's exported from your guys' website. And then the phone just disconnects. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, my <laughs> word. Like, whatever. Like, the, the better answer is, like I said, lose the battle, win the war. So, a- again, there's a lot of different approaches. You know, before we started the podcast, you know, a colleague and good friend, Brian Hong, he was talking about concierge service. And I, I mentioned it in the article. And, and Sean was talking about, you know, a, a different healthcare provider. And, you know, I, I put a link in the article to a podcast on the uh, Surgery Center of Oklahoma that just charges by – it's like a menu. I, I don't know if you're familiar with it, Sean, but uh, Russ Roberts did a, an interview with them. And uh, you literally go on their website and you tell them what surgery you need to do and there's a cost. It's an out-of-pocket cost and you just pay directly. So there's a lot of different ways you can solve this riddle, but you got to go back to your needs, your preferences, your resources. Yeah, the other thing too is uh, I think you go through different seasons of life, you know, when you're young and having kids and, and going to the doctor every month because kids are always sick, you know, maybe something that's less expensive or less out of pocket makes more sense. And then as uh, time goes on and, and maybe you have more ailments or surgeries and you need more specialists, uh, and it, then something like a concierge or a PPO makes more sense. So I, I definitely think it's not one size fits all forever. You know, I think it changes through life. Yeah, I like, too, how your mind was working where it's like, hey, if I'm going to go this route, like you're going to go a route where you could no longer use an HSA. So then I loved what you did. Let me let me not be married to the idea of just doing an HSA and be stubborn. Let me calculate what was the savings that that provided for me, like the tax savings, the potential growth, all this. And then you're going to weigh that against what you're actually spending. And you're like, wait, it doesn't make sense to spend $2 to save $1. That's exactly it. So it's it's the right way to do it because I've seen so much because there is so much information out there. Like you and I can laugh about it, and we won't. I don't even want to bring up specifics because it'll take me on a rabbit trail. But like there are certain little um, popular financial planning terms. I'm just gonna say a couple like backdoor Roth conversion or super backdoor Roth. And you just get people calling sometimes like, why am I not doing this? Or I should be doing this. Or, I read an article and I, I, I think this is absolutely necessary. But then you have to take somebody back to the nuance. Like, hey, Sean, in your case, if you do that, let me show you the collateral damage you're going to cause over here on this expense, this tax. And they're like, oh, I didn't know that. You know what I mean? So in financial planning, we just get so... Uh, like that, maybe it's that that idea where people say you're missing the forest for the trees. You just get so captivated by this one particular planning thing that you miss um, the, the potential that that might not be right for you. That's a perfect way to say it. Uh, that, that comes up a lot. Omega backdoor Roth conversion only works if the plan summary allows it. It's it's not even like a it one size fits all. Most people can't do it. And then it's, it's kind of the same thing for the HSA. If you're budgeting and it's kind of a let's say it's a tight financial plan to, to be able to tuck away another eight nine thousand dollars a year may not pencil out and you don't want to go changing things just to try and do that yeah and that's why i always try to get people back to a place like how often do you have people call and say hey should i do a 529 plan and then you first have to say like hey like and i, I there's a good chance i'm probably right about that article next week but you go back to somebody and say like hey first what's the purpose okay cool you want to cover education expenses Great. Now let me walk you through the benefit, right? Because the real benefit for this is that 
you know, the difference between what it is worth at the end versus what you put into it. Don't talk about it too much. Fair enough, yeah. I, I'm but, not going to run out of things to say about it next no, week. <laughs> yeah, so we'll talk about it next week. But the whole point I'm making is that you always want to say, like, does this financial planning item first solve the problem that I'm trying to solve? And two, you should know what is the measurable benefit here. Yeah, and whether it's 529s, HSAs, a living trust. Roth conversions. Roth conversions, whatever it might be, make sure that it applies to you. Don't read about it and say, I have to do it. Yeah, estate planning, another like article that can be written, but you and I do it all the time. We were just talking about it. Oh, I was reading the Wall Street Journal. I should do this gift annuity out of my IRA, and it's so much better because it was on there, and it, it might not be the case. Yeah, and you go back and you're like, Wait, I, I had the same email this week w- between a CPA and a client going through, and I'm like, wait a tick. Like, uh, yes, the article is written, which you became aware of it, but you're already doing this other strategy, and let me walk you through how much tax savings this is. You know, whether it was qualified charitable distributions or whether it was, you know, a, a donor-advised fund. But I want to encourage the listeners, really good that you're reading the articles and asking the questions because when you're asking questions – you're, uh, there's wisdom in the council of many, like you're leaning on somebody. So that's when this idea of teach you how to think, that's a good way to do it. Um, if you're out there walking this path alone and you're making some of these decisions and constantly the media is grabbing you by the shoulders and turning you and pointing you a different direction, I would say, just be careful. Yeah, that makes sense. That means Sean's done with the podcast. So uh, not a ton else to say here. Um, I, I know for, for my family and our planning, uh, this strategy is working, and it's it's um, it's still a good idea. But just like we talked about last week, um, this could be a good idea today in 2023, and circumstances could change uh, next year. And then we have to reassess the plan and, and pivot accordingly. So hopefully this was helpful. Uh, at the end of the article, I encourage you – if you have questions, if you have comments, or if you have compliments. You know what's going to happen, right? Our inbox is going to be full of like horror stories. This happened, that happened. There's so many horror stories out there. Don't get me started. I, I could give you 10 more, which you've probably heard half of them already. So uh, we'll, we'll leave that off the table. So an, an easy way to reach Sean or I, you can reach us at Tom, T-O-M, at thebonsagroup.com. Um, like I said, I think uh, we'll, we'll be talking 529s next week unless another idea comes to mind. But if you have any suggestions, ideas, or questions, uh, feel free to send them our way. We'd be happy to be a resource. And, of course, we'll be back next week with more of our Thoughts, Thoughts on Money. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. 
The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.